Hello, Screen Stuff Podcast listeners. I'm Paul. And now, sorry, I'm Elgin. Uh, and uh, we are back. First episode of 2018, um, officially recording in 2018 anyway. Yeah. Um, and we haven't recorded in a few weeks and mm-hmm. uh, we're excited to be back. New year, talking about lots of new stuff, of course. Uh, the beginning of the year always brings award season, so mm. there's definitely a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think over the holidays, oftentimes for both of us, it's a chance to watch a lot of things. Um, this episode, we're going to specifically talk about Phantom Thread. Not Phantom Menace. Every time I hear the title <laughs> of that movie, it, it like slightly triggers. It, it's triggering. It's triggering. I'm like... Phantom Menace? No, Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread, yeah. Uh, P.T. Anderson's latest film starring, apparently in his last performance, Daniel Day-Lewis. We'll see if... I hope not. I mean, yeah, but, is okay. he going to pull like a Soderbergh and yeah. say, I'm done with making movies, yeah. and then only to make a crap load of other movies? But then again, but, he like always waits like years between projects, so who sure. knows? Yeah. 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 It might be a few years before. Or even a Jay-Z fake-out, if yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah. lots, of, lots of retirement fake-outs. Michael Jordan, you can keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk about Phantom Thread in detail later in the podcast, but we're first going to just catch up on things we've been watching, a lot of stuff out there. Um, I recently traveled a little bit over break. So mm. I think, you know, when you travel, you have some downtime during traveling or on the plane and things like that. For sure. So um, I took advantage of the Netflix download option. Oh, yeah, that's can, great. I, I, that, yeah. That's a n- great, nice, little handy feature. I'm, I'm glad that they created that because uh, particularly for their original material, yeah, their original yeah, content, yeah. most of it is available for temporary download. And then you can watch it while you're on a plane. Perfect. So on a plane, I watched Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. That's the latest documentary from Jim Carrey. Mm. And, uh, you know, I like comedy and documentaries. And I think I've talked about some other ones before. Um, the Particularly the one about the Dana Carvey show uh, mm, a few yeah. episodes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this one was interesting because I remember when Man on the Moon was being made and everyone was talking about how... You know, Jim Carrey was going all method and being Andy Kaufman in in many ways. And it was interesting because um, it definitely tapped into whatever retro renaissance we're having because... Man on the Moon was filmed about 20 years ago in the late 90s. Has it really been 20 years? I, I believe so. Maybe. No, I, I, yeah. Okay. I, 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 to my shame, I've never seen that film. Uh, well, so what's interesting, though, is so you get a little of that 90s feel yeah. because the, the clothing and the, the culturally, it's very 90s in that way. But then you have current day Jim Carrey talking about it. And if you don't know anything about current day Jim Carrey... He's, he's he's turned into a very interesting. I mean, he was always an interesting man, but he, he's always been interesting. But he's yeah. he's his career life trajectory has been very surprising. In that, you know, he was this mainstream, highest paid movie actor in the world at one point, and now he's this weird recluse. I don't want to say weird. I think that's maybe he's a recluse and he paints and like, yeah, there's this video. I think we talked about it in a previous podcast. There's this video floating around on Vimeo that shows him painting. Uh, He's just really become something that I would never have expected. And so it was interesting to see the juxtaposition of Jim Carrey at his absolute peak 
in the 90, late 90s, early aughts, whenever that was. And then seeing him now about 20 years later talking about it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. I think... It, it 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 gave me an appreciation for what he did, but also there's also that side of me that's thinking, was it all pointless? Because he he basically made life very difficult for everyone that he was because he was with. in he was be channeling Andy Kaufman yeah, and or so Milos Forman, the director, yeah, yeah. was like, can I talk to Jim right now? Like I want to talk about <laughs> making this movie and doing this scene and. Jim Carrey's acting like Andy Kaufman and not being cooperative. And I think That's maybe, be maybe he's trying to create <laughs> the same type of vibe. I don't know. But then there were people, there were a lot of people in the film who actually worked and knew Andy Kaufman. And some of them were saying, like his family members, for example, they would sit down and talk with Jim Carrey in method as Andy Kaufman. And they were like, it was like I was talking to Andy oh, again. Oh, very weird. But then there were some other people who were like, Andy was never like this. This is, you know, totally, yeah. you know, so yeah. it, it was just really kind of interesting from that, especially when you're playing someone else in your. So can I say like what I, what I, I remember that time and I remember like, and this is still the case today where like comics don't get the cred from the Oscars. Right. And I, I always felt like it was like his bid to try to get an Oscar or get more legitimate or taken well, more seriously. It, it came off the heels, I think, also yeah. of the Truman Show. Sure. So uh, I think that was a period when Jim Carrey was doing something different. Of course, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I still to this day think is a phenomenal film. Sure, yeah. And I thought his performance in it was, was quite good. Mm. Um, and it, I think that probably is my favorite <sighs> Jim Carrey performance, thinking about all the different things that he's done over his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although I have to say there are parts of Bruce Almighty that I still find to be absolutely amazing <laughs> when he makes Steve Carell uh, mess up his newscast. Anyway, that's okay. That's all, that's neither here nor there. But so so is this, is this something that we I, I would should say, seek out? Yeah, I would say yeah. if you're interested in that world and and you know you were a fan or are a fan of Jim Carrey, it's definitely worth watching. I just think it's kind of fascinating. And okay, can you like at least share one bit of like what he thinks of himself back then? Like like is, is, today is it I think I think he stands by everything that he he did at the time. That's, okay. That's the okay. sense that I get. Yeah. I, I I liked how he was very he was pretty self reflective, pretty self effacing. I mean most of the confessional you know in a documentary there's always that confessional you know where they interview different people and you know it's mostly just him there's mm. not a, there's not like this whole cast of people that they do confessionals with and, and yeah and so he really carries the movie as you know he, he should since it's really all about him but um it's done in a way that i think is um you know, it's looking back in the past. It's it's reflecting on kind of the work that he did, where he is now. They there is, there are parts of the film where they do a little bit of a retrospective. That you know, they show like clips from his time in in Living Color and, and things Ace like Ventura, that. Ace Ventura, all that. Yeah, stuff. And his yeah. his old stand up routines. Okay. And, and so yeah. some of it's just about him. So it's in many ways it's just a documentary about Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. But there's also specifically a lot of stuff on the man in the moon okay. uh, movie shoot. All so right, cool. I think it's worth watching. Um, also on the plane, um, on my way <coughs> to my destination, there was a in-flight entertainment system. Mm. And 
they had a bunch of different movies and there were actually a lot of movies that I wanted to watch. Some I had seen, some I'd never seen. And the movie that I ended up choosing was Girls Trip. Girls Trip? Girls Trip. <laughs> Girls Trip um, is the breakout comedy hit from 2017. Um, if you don't know anything about Girls Trip, it's a predominantly black cast. It has Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, and Tiffany Haddish as the four main characters. And it's four, I think they were college friends. They haven't seen each other in a while. Their lives have diverged. Their lives have diverged. Now they're, you know, maybe in their late 30s or something like that. They're working women. And so they let me just say, come back together. What you're describing sounds terrible at first, except for the casting. I was just, because it sounds like a very well worn uh, territory. Yeah. So I would say the, the movie in and of itself is not groundbreaking anyway. It's not. All that different from, you know, a Judd Apatow. No, not Judd Apatow. Uh, who did Bridesmaids? It was not Judd Apatow. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but, it, was, but... it was the other guy who did Ghostbusters. I, his name escape, escapes me. But, um, you know, so it has that that feeling where, where the, the script is not necessarily... The, the, the general plot line is nothing that new. Yeah. But I, I think the breakout performance from that movie was Tiffany Haddish. Mm. She's, she's gone on to host SNL as a result of this movie. And there are moments of this movie where she is just flat out hilarious. It's not necessarily for everybody. It okay. clearly has a target audience. But, you know, as, as you know, I, I like comedy. I think yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a type of comedy that maybe I wouldn't have watched unless it was presented to me in an in-flight entertainment system <laughs> on, a, on a flight to somewhere. But I'm glad I saw it because it really had some laugh out loud laugh out loud moments. And the most interesting thing to me is, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about how HBO and some other networks will edit movies. Yeah, yeah. Once yeah. they, you know, from their theatrical release. Sure. It's specifically said on there that these these are all the movies are unedited. Oh, great. And that's great, but an in-flight <laughs> entertainment system is not exactly a private venue yeah and there is some male frontal nudity in the movie and there were certain moments where i'm like i looked around nervously hoping nobody and you know it's a it's a packed flight nobody's really paying attention i'm sure they're just looking at their own screens and the screens also have a little bit of like that polarized filter so yeah yeah yeah, from a side angle you you can't really get a clear view of what someone else is watching but anyone behind me has a clear view so (laughs) as long as they weren't watching or paying attention i just found the whole uh, experience to be kind of funny because yeah, there were yeah. moments where I would laugh out loud, but nobody, you know, yeah, it's, like what? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's kind of goofy watching a movie like that in uh, in an airplane. I think it would have been more fun to watch it in a movie theater. No, I think you're right though that a lot of times people I hear this all the time where people are catching up with movies on planes, and uh, I, this this is a common occurrence. Um, I the the fact that they didn't edited i'm i'm a little surprised um because nowadays yeah you're even getting films that were edited on hbo which right. is really weird you know and i'm surprised yeah. that there's no i don't know if blowback is the right word because yeah. kids no matter what age you are you have access to that in-flight entertainment yeah, system yeah, yeah, and yeah. i guess if you're a parent you're probably sitting close to your child on a flight mm. but maybe you're not and yeah, yeah, yeah. you there's no filter no 
you know, whatever. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I just found it to be interesting, <laughs> particularly for myself, because I was watching things that I didn't want other people to know that I was watching. <laughs> well, at least certain scenes anyway. So, I mean, is there anything else fresh besides the, the casting or the, the, the breakup performance? I mean, is there, I mean, is I there think, something about this is, is that, that well, that's different? I think there's been a spate of female-centric comedies. I think Bridesmaids kind of kicked it off a little bit. But even on the same summer as Girls Trip, there was Rough Night, mm. which was a cast of mostly white women, um, save for Zoe Kravitz. Um, and that came out, I think, just within a month or two of Girls Trip. And it was almost the exact same type of concept. It was like a hangover for girls yeah, type of yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's it's somewhat of a trend, I think, Hollywood is like, hey, girls could be funny too, and Bridesmaids was funny, and so let's make more movies kind of like this. Um, But this one, being an all-black cast, I think can very easily be relegated into niche territory or, or, you know, with a very small, you know, demo. What people deem as urban comedy. Right, but it ended up making over $100 million. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was one of the smash successes, I think, financially over the summer. Because I I imagine it probably didn't cost a ton to make. Um, And then again, if it launches Tiffany Haddish's career to a more mainstream audience, I think that's kind of an interesting... Um, byproduct. That's awesome. Like and the the director you're thinking yeah, of, Paul, Paul Fig. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's right. He's done some interesting things. Remember when we watched? Uh, what was it Outer Space or another space? Oh show, yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, that yeah. Yahoo yeah. series. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Very short lived. Well, yeah. I think that single handedly brought Yahoo down. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, and then the last movie. It's not the last movie I watched, but another movie that I watched. Um, you know, over the holidays is. One that has been getting a lot of awards chatter. It's been nominated for a lot of stuff. It's called Call Me By Your Name. Mm. It's based on a book. It was recently turned into a movie. I guess it was a long process to get it from page to screen. Uh, But it finally happened. And um, it's been getting a lot of buzz, I think, uh, specifically uh, because of Timothy Chalamet. Or Timothy Chalamet. I was thinking about how he spells yeah. his name. <laughs> um, and you know, we we talked a little bit about uh, Lady Bird, and mm-hmm. he's he was also in that movie as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's really having kind of a breakout year. But he plays a seventeen-year-old. Um, it takes place in the eighties, and um, it's it's a romance between two men. Um, I think it's could be construed as somewhat controversial. There's there is a significant age difference between the two leads. Um, it takes but, place in the early '80s, before the AIDS. Um, well, no, or, I mean or, it was uh, during. And what's interesting is, I yeah. believe the book takes place in the mid- middle to later '80s, okay. and they made the choice to make it earlier '80s, huh. which is kind of interesting. Um, I think some, at least according to gay Twitter. Uh, there's, okay. a, you know, there's a there's a Twitter for everybody. Okay, yeah, sure. And uh, some people are saying that it the movie wasn't quote unquote queer enough, or that it erased a lot of queerness and it sanitized the story for a more mainstream or mm. a broader audience. Mm. Um, so that's one criticism that I've heard of. The I, mean, movie. I, I saw it too, and I just want to say that like, it, well, I don't know what the criticism on gay Twitter is, but uh, exactly, but like there it, there wasn't. A, there wasn't any like real graphic sex or anything. I don't right. know if that's what's meant by that. I'm not sure. Um, I think I think that's part of it. I think yeah. it's also because it was so insular. It's 
in a very small little village in the Italian countryside. Sure. It doesn't really speak very much to anything that's happening in the world at large, particularly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. around gay identity, acceptance, the AIDS crisis, all of those things. And so um, it was interesting for me because when I, after I watched it, it was before I had, you know, read anything pieces. Sure, I, I sure, went into sure. it pretty, um, you know, unadulterated by outside commentary. And I walked out thinking that was kind of like, a fairy tale like huh. it, it, it to me the movie read like a fairy tale it's a very well done fairy tale and i mm. i enjoyed the movie a lot and i think it's definitely worth watching uh specifically for chalamet's performance as well as michael stahlberg i think the two of them are kind of the standouts of the stahlberg movie. was amazing yeah. yeah um and he plays the father he plays he plays his father yeah. um but even the way he plays his father and the way the romance happens and that it it is you know, has bittersweet notes, absolutely. What, what did you think of Army Hammer, who is the older man in the relationship? I thought he was fine. I thought, um, you know, they keep talking about how good-looking and charming he is, and so I think they needed to cast someone who had that kind of banal attractiveness. <laughs> I know that's a, that sounds wow. horrible. But, but, but that's what Army Hammer is, The, the right? classic good-looking American Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. He, he, you know, he, he was probably wearing his Jordache jeans or whatever it was at the time, you know. And, and I really liked the, you know, the 80s fashion and there was also some 80s music. Every now and then, most of the soundtrack was actually done by original music made by Sufjan Stevens, mm. which added a whole different layer to the movie, whether you loved it or not. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked a lot of it. I, I think, uh, I, I see what you're saying about the fairy tale aspect of it, but I, I well, I guess my, my thought was that, you know, they're in a specific place where they could have the safe space without, uh, I mean, because it seems like the, the Army Hammer character is very cognizant of how dangerous it could be to sure. be out in the open, right. especially in the early 80s in, in Italy. I don't know, but they had this kind of like yeah. little sp- space where the they can... side trip that they Yeah, where, they, where they can um, be with each other. So, um, and, and I thought, you know, I think some people still feel like it's problematic that it was... Someone who is, I believe the character is in his mid-20s, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. having a romantic relationship with someone who's still in his teens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought the movie did a decent job of making it not creepy or not predatory because he... I didn't feel that at all. Yeah, because yeah. The, the older, he kind of tried to telegraph his feelings in subtle ways. Yes, and the 17-year-old didn't pick up on it or didn't really understand it, or maybe he did and was afraid to acknowledge it. And then it's, Yeah, they talk about this right. later. And too. then it's yeah. not until essentially there's there's almost like a coming out scene, even though it's like it's so subtle, but I'm just like, Are you sure you know what you're talking about right now? Or mm. did that that's mm. his communication here. But but because a lot of the initiative comes from the younger, it doesn't feel quite as I don't know, creepy. Yeah, and, in and, that and way. then it seems like the father is aware of what's going yeah. on or has become aware again this this know. to me leads more to the the fantasy element of it uh, yeah, i think yeah i yeah. think that as a 17 year old you have longing you have desires and then to have those longings and desires to actually fulfilled and then on top of that to have a father to have it affirmed and and so, all that so like it, it, it definitely felt like man this is i mean granted he did not get everything that he wanted it's still to me as a coming of age story. It was kind of like, wow, he 
he got a lot. He got a lot out of that summer in in a way that I thought felt um, so, so almost did, almost like a fever dream. <laughs> did, did, did you think that the father's reaction was unrealistic or something? And I'm only asking this because like. There's an earlier scene where the father's entertaining, father and mother are entertaining their gay friends who come, and right. so like I feel like they're yeah, obviously there's a, there's a pretty little... progressive for that time. Sure, sure. And my 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 feeling, or my I could be wrong about this, but the father may have also had. Yeah. No. You know. Right. So I'm not. I'm not know. saying that it's. I'm just saying that for this one kid to have all of these experiences in one summer and and to have so much of himself affirmed in that way sure i mean it was it was beautiful to watch and it was very nice but a part of me was just like i don't know if this could ever this has ever happened to someone well, you know what i mean yeah, like, sure, sure. like like yeah. that's where like the fiction and and, and the fa- the fairy tale nature of it i mean the whole felt. thing is like very beautiful and lush yeah. and, and it's written yeah. by james ivory so you have this whole kind of um yeah. americans abroad thing yeah i mean it's uh, yeah, it's a so. beautifully shot film yeah i i thought the performances are great i mean to me I, you know after watching it though i mean again it's as much as I'm talking about it being a fairy tale, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I didn't like the movie or yeah, I didn't well, sure, think sure, it was good. Sure, sure. I still yeah. think it's worthy of all the accolades it's received. Um, I hope Timothy Chalamet wins something for his performance because I thought he was just like next level. Yeah, he's he's gonna. I believe he's gonna be nominated. I think it's just probably gonna come down to him and Gary Oldman. That's yeah, what I mean, I don't think he's gonna win. I think yeah. he's still too young for people to fully take it seriously take him as seriously as some of these older more established actors but you know i I don't know maybe he was doing some stuff in there acting wise that i think is very difficult to pull off absolutely and i mean when you have a long shot of you that lasts for at least five minutes yeah um and that whole time you're engaging to the audience without uttering a single word i I don't i don't know that that to me is a feat. That's a that's an acting feat. I I will agree with you on that. Uh, All right. So tell me some of the stuff that you've caught up on. Well, okay. So I I, I saw Call Me by Your Name, and then I I also saw um, the Florida Project. Yeah, uh, which I've heard great things about. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've been wanting to watch this movie. Uh, I've heard some criticism about sure. the movie, yep, but yep. I've I've heard that it, it's pretty good. It's by Sean Baker, and I, I you know I talked to you about his his previous work. Tangerine, yeah. which was shot on iPhone, right, and, right. and again, uh, he's covering a, a segment of society that we don't really pay attention to, or sure. or even know exists. Yeah. You know, is this his this. thing now? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like yeah. he he almost takes a documentary approach to right. uh, his subjects, right. uh, even though it's still a fictional story. Yeah, and yeah. and and, and <clears throat> I have to say the acting in here pretty amazing he got this young woman young girl named brooklyn prince and then uh her mother is played by bria van nate or night yeah. who was a non-actor and she's yeah, just amazing i heard about um just his approach in that you know he has a very nas- naturalistic approach yep, and yep, yep. he just wants people to be comfortable and in their element mm-hmm. in a way that's not forced at all and you know specifically with children actors i mm-hmm. think that's hard to do sometimes yeah so i mean just let me just back up a little bit like this this is a story about a mother and a child who live in a like a motel near disney world in florida and you know the the, there's their places called like the magic 
kingdom or castle or whatever these kind of motels that are just kind of kind of drafting off of the fact that they're near Disney World. Right, right. But you know, a lot of these places are are where um, what they call like the hidden homeless live. You know, okay. the, like they they're just living there week to week, and uh, you know, it's really it just a lot of people don't like the movie because it's a kind of it's a bummer, it's a downer, and sure. you just get to see how the cycle of poverty can can persist right. and poverty porn as some people call it yeah but i i didn't really get that sense at all i just i was just really appreciative of how um resilient some of these folks can be and and appreciative of you know you get to see the the, the struggles and problems that they have to endure uh william defoe is in the film too and yeah, he's been getting a lot of praise yeah he's like role. the hotel manager and he kind of has um a soft spot with for you right. know this family and others right. living in the community and he's stern you know also I mean, he has to collect the rent and he has to lay down the law but but ultimately i you know he's he's sympathetic to the people having to to live in these places um and yeah he's i think he's gonna he's gonna be nominated he's gonna be you know well do you, deserved. Think, do you think the movie should be nominated by the academy uh, as best picture i think so i think it's okay. really an amazing piece of work i feel like it hasn't been acknowledged as much as some of the other films from yeah the you know year. i'm not sure what that's about maybe that has something to do with a difficult subject matter or maybe they don't think the craft of the film is as flashy it's as not it's not a, it's not almost conventional enough yeah no yeah no certainly not um and anyway, I, I think it's an extraordinary piece of work that people should check out. Uh, it, yeah. It's not like... It's on my list. You know, people's... My imaginary list. <laughs> you, you might find it a little bit difficult to watch, but I honestly think it's rewarding. And, and like, and it's not like it's all just like a, you know... Uh, yeah, it, it, like, I'm sure it's, it's hopeful. It's, and, it's hopeful, yeah, it's fun, yeah. and you see... You see, just seeing the, the kids interact, and you yeah. know, when you're a kid, you don't know that you're poor. You know, right. you, don't, you don't have a frame of reference. So th- these sure. kids are... You know, they get into a lot kind of, of adventures. And, yeah, and yeah. you see, you see how they interact. It's it's a, it's really a, a great piece of filmmaking. Okay. Another th- uh, thing I saw was um, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Ebbing Missouri. Yeah. Which has been courting a lot of controversy. It won. I mean, it was it was the darling at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Which it, it won. What does that mean? You know. It won. <laughs> sure. I know. The, I know the Golden Globes play second fiddle or third or even fourth fiddle compared to some of the other awards. Yeah. But it can sometimes be a predictor of future award show success since they kind of kick off the award season. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Again, I haven't seen the movie yet. I've heard good things, but I was surprised by how much. It, it did win and how, um, you know, not just for picture, but also for um, well, all the performances. Well, Frances McDormand, uh, she plays Mildred Hayes and she is a mother of a, a daughter who was brutally, brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. And she is uh, upset about the fact that the police haven't done anything in like seven right. months since this uh, murder occurred. And, and so that's she why she gets those billboards. Yeah, yep. and there's, yep. you know, there's messages on there kind of accusing the police of not doing enough. Right. And then there's Woody Harrelson as the chief of police, and then Sam Rockwell as uh, one of his officers. And yeah. Rockwell plays a very kind of problematic, kind of racist. Sure. Not just kind of, he is racist, a racist okay. cop. Right. And, the and he's con- probably going to win an award for it too. Well, the the controversy <laughs> stems from the fact that he he finds fi- he finds a there's like a redemption arc, or at least what some people describe as a redemption arc for him, and and which doesn't fully address his racism. Right. And so, do you, you think know, that, so? There's a lot of problems. I, do I you think the criticisms are founded because there's been a lot of talk about how it's been 
it's not the best at handling and and just like the 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 little screen time and character development that they give to any people of color. Yeah, there are, there isn't a lot. There are some uh, right. people of color, black people uh, characters in right. the in the film. They are usually not really fully formed. Yeah, they're there to they're, serve. They're kind of the like plot devices in some sure. ways. Like for example, like there's a uh, a different chief of police um, who comes in and and uh, who he happens to be black and like he cleans house, but right. but so, so but uh, I don't that... I, I personally don't I I can I see that criticism, but I don't think it's enough to just then dismiss this film. Okay, uh, I really think the performance by McDormand as this kind of very enraged uh mother is just one of the most powerhouse performances i've seen in a, sure. in a long while and i think it's worth it to is she is that. she a shoe in for the oscar i well she'll certainly get nominated i think she should probably win it i think okay. it's it's, a, it's okay. an amazing although i know sharsha ronan uh is she um i she's not gonna win for that <laughs> for a baby bird i mean not not to say but you know it's just it's not it's not a powerhouse <laughs> performance you know but okay so fine. And and the criticism, I I, I, I again, I, I see what they're saying about how the black characters are used. Uh, I don't personally find that the Rockwell character has a redemption arc at the at the um, at the uh, expense of black characters. I personally don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think he actually has changed in terms of his racist views. Sure. Um, there is a measure of redemption for him, I suppose, in what happens. I don't want to get into that because I'll spoil it. But but I don't think it's at necessarily at the expense of, of those black characters. So anyway, yeah. I, I I think it's 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 a film about how violence can breed more violence. And uh, I think that's a message that we can we should probably pay attention to uh, in the in these times where um, people are very on edge and contentious. Uh, uh, and yeah, I, I I think I found it to be pretty moving. Uh, and you know, again, I know there's a lot of blowback right now, but. I'm. I'm not. Well, that, that hasn't camp. really stopped its momentum. I. I don't think. Uh, it still seems to be doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, and the final film that I want to talk about that uh, I saw recently was I Tonya or I Tanya. I'm not sure. Tanya, uh, the, the Tanya Harding biopic. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, some people feel like, oh, okay, should we be? Should uh, we so be celebrating should this we be person? Celebrating her? Yeah. Or, or is the movie making fun of her? Yes. Or you know, it's yeah. it's it seems to be I mean, again, performances aside, the the movie does seem and also I know the movie is about Tanya Harding, but you know, Nancy Kerrigan is barely even a character in that's, the movie. That's that's correct. Um so I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about, you know, do do we need to have a movie about someone who may or may not deserve I, to have that spotlight? I think the film is extraordinary also, this one. Mm-hmm. I the filmmaking itself is is top notch. There's a there clearly is a debt to Scorsese and the camera work. There's a lot sure. of moving camera work. I just want to say the, the the shots of of Tanya ice skating. It follows her kind of like the camera in Aronofsky's Black Swan, where you're okay. kind of in with the right. ballerina. And I don't know how they did this. They right. I don't know how they had Margot Robbie's face because I know she can't do a triple axel. <laughs> uh, I don't know how right. they fused this. It's 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 a tech as a technical feat. It's right. it's quite amazing. Uh, I think they should have found a 
a slightly thicker actor to play the role, though. I mean, I mean, not not to say that that's the only thing, but that was a really big part of, in my opinion, the Tanya Harding story is her size didn't, and her appearance, you know, doesn't yeah. necessarily fit what you would typically see as a graceful ice skater. And well, so, they they do a lot to uh, Margot to, Robbie to pad, to, to, to pad it a little yeah, bit to make her seem, seem bigger. Seem okay. yeah, I mean, she is, she's real thin. She's thin and she's much taller, yeah. and she's obviously way prettier. Whoa, uh, obviously but... <laughs> way prettier. <laughs> okay, so but I mean, she, you know, but the performance is 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 fantastic. I th- there's sure. a lot of comedy there. There's a lot of dark comedy. I think the film is trying to show us. I, you know, some some people say it's trying to excuse. Right, her, you know, make a more sympathetic her. view that she was a victim of many of her circumstances. Yeah, which, which in some ways she was. Uh, you know, you see the brutality that she faced growing up, where she's constantly being beaten, uh, whether it's by her mother or then eventually her husband. Uh, where this kind of violence is again, right, um, commonplace for her. So uh, I don't think it, obviously that exonerates her from anything that she may have actually done. Uh, to Nancy Kerrigan like, again this the, it's it's never been really like it's unclear it's, whether yeah. she was directly involved yeah, with it or not yeah. but so, I mean come on <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'm anyway. just kidding but, but um, you know I have to say Allison Janey she, she plays the mother and she is again fantastic uh, you know I, award I, nomination I think she'll probably win the Oscar for this I, okay. I know I, it's either her or the, uh, the other mother again in Lady Bird um it, it's one of those mothers who's yeah, kind of winning yeah. for best someone's mother. Someone's mother. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it does raise a lot of interesting questions about class and how how we want certain people to succeed. And, you know, like figure skating is very controversial for how right. it judges people. It's right, not right. just on the technical merits. It's always been tough because you know, there is some subjectivity there. And sure, it's yeah. hard not to base some of that on appearances and what your archetype is. And, so. you, and you can see how frustrated she was. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, if anything, it just makes you think a little bit more about... Uh, about class that you know maybe I I wouldn't have necessarily done had I not seen this film so I appreciate it for that okay. and the, you know again there's a lot of stylistic choices that I I found really interesting where they'll break the fourth wall the characters will talk to you about like in the middle middle of getting beaten or something she'll say well this happened you know a lot or the characters are like this never happened I mean it's it's really yeah interesting choices that okay. I, I found really fascinating and I think as a piece of filmmaking it's it's also very interesting. it's worthwhile so I mean okay. I'm really like. I think, you know, at first for a little while I felt 2017 was like ho-hum, but, you know, seeing all these films toward the end of the year... It's, it's redeemed the mood, the year for you a little it bit. It has, a lot. Okay, okay. Well, you know, people are forgetting early in 2017, Get Out came out. We mm-hmm. talked about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. my prediction is that the Academy is not really going to give it that much thought, but I think that that would be a mistake because I thought it was one of the best crafted movies of the year, so... Terms I really of, hope in terms of writing script wise for sure. Yeah, writing yeah. I thought the performances were actually quite good too. Like Daniel Kaluuya, yeah, very under no, very underrated good. in his performance. I mean, when he's in the sunken place and he's, you know, he's tearing up like oh, yeah. that, it's just I don't think that's easy to do. No, no, no. no. Um, and so, uh, you know, we'll we'll definitely talk about, you know, as the award season starts there, to, to heat up. But, starting to heat up, you know. But uh, I'm I'm yeah. curious to see you know, especially in the quote-unquote changing times, and I know that mm, they've tried to mm. mix up the Oscar voter, the you know the Academy members. I'm I'm curious to see if 
you know, we will start to see, I mean, I know, you know, Moonlight won last year, mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. dramatic reveal. I don't know. I, I, I shared with you a tweet, tweet string or tweet uh, exchange of, of some, of some people just saying, well, you know, some, some uh, Academy members be kind of quite cynical about like, oh, we, we, we already did the gay thing and yeah. the black thing. We have a gay, year. we had a gay, uh, gay and black movie last yeah, year. Yeah. So now like, let's go back to Whitesville, you know, <laughs> and I, I really, I, I mean, I know that's a very cynical way of looking at it. There's no way to actually prove that that's, that's the, the conversation that attitude. are happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I sincerely hope not, because mm-hmm. to me it means well. I, I don't know. I, I I don't necessarily want to get into it too much, but um, I hope that they kind of have a holistic view and and they give credit where credits due. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I I think there's a lot of interesting films that are coming out or have come out for, from people who haven't had a chance to tell their stories right. or had you know different life experiences. So. Yeah, and I, I don't think it should be given as a form of tokenism either. No, I but definitely I, I not. I think these, these stories but are really But when some of the best movies and the most interesting stories also happen to be of groups that haven't always been represented in Hollywood, well, mm. keep doing it. Yeah. Keep, give, yeah, yeah. keep giving him their credit. Just Absolutely. because you did it once doesn't mean you've done it enough. So, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so we're going to now transition to our main topic today, which is Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. He wrote and directed the movie, which is something that he often does. Um, he also shot this one, too, which he doesn't always do. True, true. Yeah. Um, and so to kick off the discussion, as we often do, we're going to play you a clip here. Um, just to set this up, this is um, Daniel Day-Lewis, um, and he is you know, the main character. He is... Um, Making a dress, um, mm-hmm. and his lover slash model Alma, she is wearing the dress, and they're talking about it, and they're disputing or having a discussion about the fabric choices. The other uh, character in this scene is um, his character's sister, yep. um, and so that's kind of the setup there, and um, he's essentially talking about you know his relationship with his sister and how it relates to this dress and then you get to see a little bit about him and alma and how they interact so here it is cyril is right cyril is always right it's not because the fabric is adored by the clients that cyril is right it's right because it's right because it's beautiful Maybe one day you'll change your taste, Alma. Maybe not. Maybe you have no taste. Maybe I like my own taste. Yes, just enough to get you into trouble. Perhaps I'm looking for trouble. Stop! Okay, so that was a... I think that's such a great scene. uh, Yeah, it's a really interesting... (laughs) Reynolds would... Cock, what a name. Reynolds Woodcock. Yeah. I think it really encapsulates the the main the three main protagonists or antagonists, depending on how you want yeah, to characterize yeah, them. Yeah. Um, you know, you see Daniel Day Lewis as Reynolds Woodcock being his very intractable self, mm-hmm. and then uh, Leslie Manville, who is his sister, who plays his sister Cyril Woodcock, and how he's often taking her side. Yeah, and um, you know they're kind of like you know. They deserve each other, those two. <laughs> and then Vicky Creeps. I creeps. Creeps. Who knows? Creep. 
Yeah. Um, she plays the Alma character, and she's she's the the third wheel, so to speak, in this relationship. Even though she's the one who is, um, in many ways, Reynolds' muse and lover, and, and all of those things. And and so, what is let's let's talk about what is this movie about? Because I think it's if you don't know anything about this movie, yeah. Okay, well, before we get into that, I, I, your characterization of of the third her being a third wheel, I don't, I don't actually agree with that. Well, you, you in know. that in that scene, I think the, it, it's meant to evoke that you know him and his sister, the Woodcock siblings, are very much in line, and that's how they're presented at first. Sure, that slowly unravels as the movie goes on yeah. or or yeah. the dynamic changes because there, there's a lot of power dynamics. Yes, throughout sure. this film which are fascinating uh the film is about reynolds woodcock i mean he's the central character uh and what is this like the middle of this is the middle 1950s 1950s. he's he's it's is in london he's a dressmaker you know he's like high he makes couture high fashion gowns for important people yep and you know royalty come and they get dressed and you know it's uh, they're you know he he's he's almost like you know, other other critics have observed this. Like, it's almost like he's a stand-in for a filmmaker. Uh, like, he he he, hmm. he makes these very refined things at the whim of the marketplace. Uh, it's very interesting to think of it that way. Right, um, and and in some ways, he's beholden to his financier. Yes, yes. Kind of like a, a, a filmmaker, filmmaker would. So yeah, it, yeah. it is can be seen as an allegory for a filmmaker. Yeah. So I, you know, I, and, and I know, you know, as Daniel Day-Lewis is wanted to do, you know, he, he learned how to sew and he became very method and, you know, he's, you know. He's, well, he apparently made a gown from scratch on his own to prepare for this role. <laughs> God, it's I amazing. Mean, it's so you, crazy. You hear about these things and you're like, you almost want to laugh at Daniel yeah, Day-Lewis yeah. at this point. But, um, no, I like I like the idea. I mean, because this is a movie that was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who mm. at this point is one of the most revered filmmakers in Hollywood. I would say he's he's built up a pretty strong resume. When his movies are released, there are people who will specifically watch it, no matter what the subject material Doesn't matter. is. Yeah, um, and I like the idea that it's it's an allegory or you know some kind of uh, metaphor for being a filmmaker yeah it's very close to his heart which leads me to believe then the first woman that they kind of dismiss from the breakfast table is Mm. that fiona apple oh and then is is alma (laughs) maya rudolph like is that yeah maybe i don't know because there's two you know i don't know i'm just no 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 that's interesting i don't know if paul thomas anderson has a sister but that would be kind of that interesting is, to explore. Okay, well, let's like get too. too I know. I don't. I don't want to make it too uh, too much of a auto, yeah biographical. <laughs> uh, but I will just say that uh, so Reynolds Wilcock, he, he's a he's a high fashion you know master of sorts, and he you know he lives a very kind of uh, what very controlled life. You know, like it's, it's routine. It, it's regimented. Yeah, and and it all revolves around him. Yes, it's uh, all the systems in place in the home, including how he has his his relationship with his sister, is all kind of like, let's funnel every all our resources to kind of buoy this man up and his right. genius, which which is kind of like, you know, when I first started watching, I was like, oh, is this going to be like another like 
you know, one of those white male genius films <laughs> that, you know, is a difficult man, but we should respect him. And, like, because he's we'll, so good at what he does. Yeah, like, and I was like, I well, hope that's not that. And I, and, and, right, the other part of the, that I was thinking is, so does he have, like, Asperger's or autism? Yeah. Or... Is he just so much in his bubble that he doesn't know how to be a normal human being anymore? Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, he yeah. clearly yeah. has um, almost no social grace in the way that he approaches many people. Now, you you see later on that when he's around certain people, he's able to put on a face, mm-hmm. but ba- just barely. Yeah, it, I mean, it pains him to have to do that. Right, because uh, most, most of his life he lives in a very... I guess what you would call an authentic way where he doesn't have to put on airs mm. and that he speaks absolutely truthfully and from his mind. And, you know, I've, I've met some people who are in some ways like this, who I, who I think, and I respect them intellectually, but mm. they often don't, um, it can be difficult to be around. Yeah, they can be difficult to be around because yeah. they just say whatever. They'll call you out on whatever, and it's yeah, kind of like it, it can be very exhausting. It can, no, be, very it can exhausting. be very confrontational. I, I don't think he's, he's he's very English, so he's not. Yeah. He doesn't want. There's that very funny scene where he's like, "I, I can't be having a confrontation right now." Yeah. With, with especially with, during breakfast, yeah, breakfast, because it's such an important time. Because <laughs> if that goes wrong, the whole day goes wrong. Right. It's like he right. he he's very. Uh, you know, he needs to have his routines. Uh, uh, and he's obviously he's a very proper person, you know. He's he's very well dressed. Uh, you know, he like combs his hair in a certain manner, right. even the clipping his nose and nose hairs and all that stuff. Right. Like they have a they have a grooming scene yeah. with him, which those, kind of sets up his character. And then and then you see kind of how he is with his relationships, and I think that kind of more goes to what the heart of the movie is trying mm, to be. It's about yeah, yeah, relationships. Yeah. Yep. And so, of course, you see the relationship with his sister. There's numerous breakfast scenes, and there's usually a third person at the breakfast table, mm-hmm. and it starts up, and it's some woman who mm-hmm. clearly wants more of his affection and attention, calls him out on it. He kind of realizes, like, I don't want to be having this conversation, and then ultimately his sister's like, so time to get rid of her, right? Yeah. And so and she, she does the nasty work of, of sending shoes yeah, them away she does with, with a dress. With right. A very yeah. They, they give her a couture gown yeah, as yeah. a parting gift for putting <laughs> yeah. up with his nonsense. Um, and then, you know, he takes a little bit of a holiday and he sees a, a waitress in a restaurant and he becomes instantly enamored with her mm. and she becomes his next muse. He uses her as essentially the model for a lot of the dresses. In, in fact, in their first date or their first official date, mm. he takes her back to his studio and takes all of her measurements yeah, with, her is... sis, with his sister <laughs> present. Um, and it's, it's a very um, almost dehumanizing, um, and you can, embarrassing I'll, I'll, situation you to can, be in. You, you can almost see that this is probably something he's done before. Or yeah, like to him, he, like this this is a seduction routine, almost like right, you know, right. And, and like he has a very specific, like this this date has been done many times before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's very complimentary, and she she does feel special. And what and her I, name is Alma Elsa. Yeah, her name is Alma. And what I thought was an interesting choice by P. T. Anderson is uh, very early in the film, you see her sitting in. Um, a, like a chair mm. being interviewed to mm. a certain it, it almost yes, yes. it almost takes on this and that thread is yes. comes up throughout the and film and you see her in this chair talking about her relationship with Reynolds 
a number of times. And it's really interesting because it almost then makes it feel like, um, <laughs> that sounds weird, but like a reality show in some ways where, uh, you know, like they'll intersperse action with yes, the people yes. with the, the commentary the, the, from the confessional a confessional. In the corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they, Pete Anderson uses this confessional, um, throughout the movie to give you insights into what Alma's thinking and to make commentaries on the relationship. Yes, that's an interesting choice. We can talk about that a little bit later if we're going to go into spoiler territory later. But uh, but I, she she is an interesting character. Obviously, it, it's, you know she's foreign. Let's get this straight. You know, she's she's not English, right? Uh, and I think that's a, that probably has something that plays into their relationship too. Sure. Or, where I think she's willing to stand up to him more than the, the typical other, the, British, yeah. you know, like the the, the hierarchy. Because you know, yeah. the the Brits are all about hierarchy and class and things like that. And, yeah. And you know, she, it, I don't think it was a mistake or um, you know just random that she also happened to be in the service industry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before you know she becomes a part of this world, the Woodcock world, and um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because. Clearly, there are women who've overstepped their bounds and then have been then excommunicated from this world. <laughs> yeah, um, and she's she's trying to find the right balance. She's mm-hmm. she's trying to. I mean, she clearly loves this man, um, and and she expresses and and says that to his face. Um, and at the same time, she feels completely stifled by this life that's. Yeah, because he in. needs to have certain things a certain way, and right. if not, it, the whole thing falls apart. And she, even when she's trying to do nice things for him, if it's not kind of to his parameters right. or whatever, he he gets all like right. like almost Rain Man yeah. on her. You know, yeah, like, there was you know, the, like, yeah. where he gets really upset. There was this um, there's this Korean word that. You know, I, I I think there's probably English translations for this word, but I, I can't think of like the right word. But the the word is taptape. Yes, like uh, it it means like um, like you feel kind of constrained or frustrated. You yes. know, and and yes. definitely that this movie is very taptape, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a word that I've seen used a lot in describing this movie is also pretentious. You know, it has a very like highfalutin type of feel and in some ways that's obviously on purpose this is you know high class you know british society yeah so um, so no that i'm glad you bring that up because yeah. uh another thing that i was a little bit afraid of was that not only would this be a film about a white male genius and mm-hmm. but it would have just be this like thing where you fawn over anglophilic stuff you know yeah. like you know oh this beautiful and it has all that stuff and, and i would say the, you know, the first um like maybe fat half or even yeah, maybe more than half of yeah, the movie yeah it's to me it's very much a, a character and relationship study where specifically i think one thing that Paul Thomas Anderson does very well, and obviously using Daniel Day Lewis as his muse, mm-hmm. he's able to bring out and and bring to life characters so well, and we've seen that throughout his films. That that's to me one of his greatest strengths. Yeah, no, no, they 
my understanding is how the film or the character was built. I mean, they built them together. Sure. You know, yeah. which obviously when you have a guy like uh, Daniel Taylor, Taylor you're going to yeah. want a, his input on right. how the character is built. And then, and then, you know, where they take these characters is not where I thought they it's, would it, go. The, so there, really yeah, there is, there is a little bit of, um, and again, uh, maybe we shouldn't be too surprised given Anderson's previous yeah. work. He, yep. he yep. would does, delve into darker more complex and confusing human behaviors yeah um but i i you know again sticking to like that first half of the film though i i yeah. thought um you know what the 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 things that the movie did really well are in in the details i thought mm. a lot of the details that they added to introduce you to these characters they did them in a very organic, you know, again, when you think about screenwriting, it's all about how do you give insight into these characters that still serve the story, that don't feel forced. And they did that. In, well, he's, in, yeah, he, in, he's he a master. The, at yeah, that. he's a, you're in the hands of a master. Yes. You, can, you can feel that. Um, you know? And and then I would also say the visuals of the movie. I mean, you know, of course, this is looking at, you know, couture, dressmaking. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're going to see beautiful things, but clearly just that that the eye for detail and beauty and you know mm. the word sumptuous comes to mind you know it's <laughs> it's very it's a, it's very well crafted it's yeah, very no, well it's crafted. beautifully crafted and that extends yeah. also i think to the music um the music is all original music um there's no contemporary music whatsoever mm. um and the music was done by johnny greenwood They've um, collaborated before. Yeah, he did the music for There Will Be Blood as well. Yeah. He's one of the members of Radiohead. Mm-hmm. And um, the the music, it almost is unrelenting, it, it felt, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Because yeah. the, the music is mostly pleasant. But there's not a lot of scenes where I feel like it's just like pure silence. It's like the music is kind of a part of the movie from mm-hmm. the very beginning to all the way to the end. And mm-hmm. it, it definitely plays into the that vibe no that yeah they're they're, to, they're yeah. well and it's a hard vibe to to uh capture i don't you know i will explain or i don't know what what how what the right verb is but it, it's it's a very this is a very odd movie it, it's it's way odder than i thought it was gonna be <laughs> even by pta standards i i i felt myself like after after you, and I don't know if we want to get into spoilers or not, but you know maybe we kind of have to at some maybe. point. Maybe. Well, know, okay. I, so, know. so for the visuals, and I think again the the character work, and I think the interplay and the power dynamics within that household, I think all of that was done really well. Fantastic. Um, Just amazing. Um, so, uh, Vicky Crepes, she held her own against PTA, or I mean, uh, sorry, Daniel Day Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. As did the the character of of the sister, I would say. Yes, um, Leslie Manville as Cyril is she is fantastic. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, and it's weird that uh, that she is the way she is, and he is the way he is. And I'm only saying this because they both have the same mother, and they they lost their mother. I, right. I, I take it early. Yeah, but the the impact of the loss of their mother is huge on on Reynolds. Um, maybe because he learned dressmaking from her or something. Right, because they, they, they have this whole story about how he made his mother's dress um, when she got remarried. Mm. So, mm. you know. So, so, anyway, I mean, he... And when he... It seems like, you know, he's very regimented, but then 
after he's done with uh, a season and he's and he's gotten his dresses finished, he kind of falls apart. Right, this, this because thing... he, he puts so much of his life and his energy into that season's collection that he's a shell of a person for See, this also, again, sounds so much like a filmmaker, right. what they have to go through. Right. They're so, like, right. wor- worked up to get and then, the And that's done. when yeah. Alma swoops in, yeah. and she's like, this is where I, I have him all to myself. Mm. She sees his tenderness, and he's vulnerable and available to her in those days. And then once he recovers, just a few days later, he's kind of back to his meticulous um very difficult self yeah and then um, when she can't even like like eat bread loudly without a right. piece of toast without him freaking out right or... <laughs> and he's very particular about food and um as i was watching the movie i was thinking like one thing that i i do generally like is when they talk about food particularities because mm-hmm. i think that's a great way to reveal character traits mm-hmm. without obviously beating you over the head with it and also because i always find it fascinating like just people's relationship with food Mm. um okay so now we're going to talk a little bit about the plot and i think that's that's a part of this movie that depending on who you talk to may or may not work as well yeah um that's where the movie kind of you know they do so many things so well i think the plot is then where the movie kind of so can takes, we yeah. can we give us a little spoiler warning? So is there? this our official yeah, spoiler warning? I, th- work? I think okay. from this point on, if you but you know even with even though we're saying spoiler alert, I, I mean this isn't like one of those movies where like it doesn't matter if you're spoiled. I personally yeah. don't think it, in that's, this regard. I don't think that's going to change your. But if you care, yeah. stop listening here. Okay. <laughs> And join us next week. Okay. But, uh, okay, so let's, we're going to get into the plot a little bit. So I think the initial... This is where it gets really odd. Yeah, so the initial power dynamics are such that uh, Reynolds and his sister Cyril, they're always kind of supporting each other and they're keeping each other... they support each other in the work that they're doing. And they one can't really live without the other. They have this kind of symbiotic relationship. And so when a... a woman or a lover or a muse comes in, mm-hmm. she usually finds that she has second tier status immediately when they enter in this relationship, this this triangle, if you will. Mm. Um, but I will say Cyril takes a liking to Alma, probably in a way that she hasn't with any with of the other. With anybody women. else, yeah. right. So yeah. this is this yeah. is where yeah. the, the plot thickens, so yeah. to speak, because yeah. Alma enters the picture and as we mentioned before, she's not like the other girls. <laughs> it's not like the other girls. She's She's more willing to stand up to Reynolds both, both. Uh, and to Cyril yeah. and in, in the clip that we played prior mm-hmm. to our discussion that's a really good example where she, she's constantly kind of like being uh you know I don't want to say confrontational but maybe um you know challenging him she's challenging him until a point where he just has to straight up say like stop <laughs> so I, I, I you know you listen to that scene and yeah. when i'm in the theater I, actually i was laughing at that scene right. i think but i think a lot of people in my audience they weren't laughing because I don't. I think there's a lot of things in this film where you don't know how to take things because it's like presented in the trailers as a PTA drama, right. but it's not. I think the movie like, is actually pretty, quite funny. It is really because funny. <laughs> the character of Reynolds Woodcock is sometimes so over the top, yeah, so and ridiculous. Like, yeah. Some of the things that they say, like about how his breakfast can't be disturbed, and there there are certain like one liners that are typically delivered by the serial character or sometimes by Daniel Day-Lewis himself, yeah. which are just straight up funny. Like, exactly. I think, I mean, yeah. they're not like, um, <laughs> you know, in a traditional comedic sense funny, but just funny in just how 
um, over the top. Some yeah, of these yeah, characters they're, are. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> because of these power dynamics, and and Alma clearly has um, more power probably than any other girl that's come into this house, but still not, still not enough for her. Yeah, and, not and not the upper hand there. She's clearly shown throughout the film that she is again, she's not your average girl. And that she really does demand more from him mm-hmm. um, and is willing to be just as brutally honest as, as he is. So there's one scene where she's like, I just keep waiting for you, waiting for you. And he's like, waiting for what? This is this is me. You've seen every part of me. And her response is, waiting for you to tell me to leave. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a powerful moment because yeah, yeah. Um, really he has all of the power. And it's, you know, she wants to say, but if he says go, then, you know, she's going to go. So... She then starts to take on a different strategy so that she's no longer in that vulnerable position anymore. Okay, yes. So the strategy involves... <laughs> this is a very... <laughs> this is where it gets a little macabre. Okay, yeah, the, the strategy involves going out and picking poisonous mushrooms. And they show her early in the film foraging for mushrooms. Yeah. And... The other house servants are like, oh, just make sure you don't get the poisonous ones. There's yeah, a book yeah, there. And yeah. you, you kind of think of it as a passing comment. Yeah. And it comes back to play a very large role in this movie. Yeah, so she, so she will... The, in the first time, she she makes these mushrooms and, and feeds Reynolds these, these mushrooms. Well, so what she does, though, is she very surreptitiously spikes his morning tea... With, no, no. With, yes, with, right. with ground up mushrooms. That's so right. the first right. time she does there's it, an interesting scene where the yeah. the you're seeing at the bottom of the kettle. Or yes, something, yes, right, and it's like trans a very Scorsese move, or, or uh, almost like a Breaking Bad kind yeah, of shot yeah. where where and then he's just dropping the mushrooms in there. Right. So it's yeah. it's not it's not a life threatening amount. It's not. I don't think her intention is ever to kill him. Which I think you as a viewer you're not sure, but you come to realize. I don't think that's what her goal was. I think. Well, when I was watching, I wasn't sure. Yeah, and but but I I think it is ambiguous. But I think she was just trying to make him sick and make him a little bit vulnerable because um, he obviously drinks that tea. Um, It's at a very crucial point in the movie where he has to make a wedding gown for a princess, Mm. and he falls ill. Yeah. And, and ruins the dress, and and he 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 basically falls all over the dress, and and um, it needs to be repaired. So Cyril is now consumed with trying to clean up that mess. Yes, which leaves Alma to be completely in control of her relationship with Reynolds, with Reynolds yeah, which yeah. is something that she rarely ever has. She rarely has a moment alone with him. She rarely is in control of that relationship. And and what ends up happening is in his state of weakened. Um, you know, whatever. Being sick in the middle of being sick, he he he, he realizes he, that he wants to be taken care of by Alma, and he really he also hallucinates his mother or something. He hallu- yeah, very he, strange. He hallucinates his mother. Like there's there's a lot of things that happen, and um, but ultimately Alma gets what she wants. She not only gets him to be that tender-hearted man she sees after a fashion show, but. He also proposes to her. Yes. And then when they get married... Now, you think, oh, that might be the end of the story, but it's not. They get married. They go off to the Alps somewhere, I think. And at this right? point, as a viewer, also, I'm thinking, like, he's proposing to a woman who poisoned him. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is... And I, I don't think he knows that. No. And, and the tables are turned for the first time, because I think for most of the movie, you 
are on Alma's side in that you feel kind of bad for her. Daniel Day-Lewis is a little bit more of an antagonist up mm. to that point because yeah, he's yeah. so difficult as a person. And then that moment when he proposes to me, I feel like the tables definitely turned because now you see her as kind of the antagonist. Yeah, no, no. I um, I was like, what? To me, yeah. I was like, WTF. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they get married and right when they get married... I believe, and I could be wrong, but I know that this has happened to people I know, is that once once that shit gets locked out, <laughs> you don't have to be as careful anymore. Mm. And, and I think that's what happens here, is that Alma now, she's loud again at mm-hmm. the dinner table mm-hmm. or at mm-hmm. the breakfast table. Yep. And, yep. you know, when she wants to go out and, and dance, she goes out and dances. And when she wants to flirt with a young doctor, she's going to flirt with a young doctor. Like, she... She's a little bit more free to a certain point, but... But then he re- kind of reasserts his yes, power. He doubles down. He doubles down and... And, and, and it, it climaxes when he tells his sister, like, I need out of this relationship. Yeah. I need out of this marriage. And, of course, she's there to hear all yeah, of it. Yeah, because she comes in through the door or something silently and she overhears this, this like, I made a mistake uh, right. with his sister and the sister's like I'm not really going to have anything to do with this or whatever right so, this is this is the bed you made yeah you, you need to you need to sleep in it and so then finally we get to one of the the final scenes of the movie and Alma's in the kitchen and she's cooking uh-huh. and um, Reynolds is in the kitchen watching her cook yes and she has and it's a, still tense there's like a yeah, weird tension it's still, there's still this weird tension she's chopping up the mushroom she's looking at the poisonous mushroom book all while he's in the kitchen and a part of me is like is is she that careless that she's going to poison him again to again to reexert her power mm. in a way that is so obvious to him where that he is he going to like murder her right yeah, here because well, yeah, well, that would be a very Daniel Day Lewis PT Anderson thing to do yeah, is to yeah. murder someone at the end yeah um and so finally the scene comes she makes this omelet with a lot of butter, yep. which also he, has he, a... Ver- he, he hates butter. He hates butter. <laughs> There's this asparagus scene, which is kind of amazing. But <laughs> anyway, um, and he, it looks like he's going to have like her eat it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you've got to eat this because yeah, 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 he's yeah, on to yeah. her now. Yep, yep. But nope. lo and behold, nope. he eats it. Yep. Smiles as he Smiles sees and he's yeah. like... <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I'm like, I don't know. Like, I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, and then you pretty much learn that he knows he's going to be sick. Yeah, because he's, that... he's on the he's on the toilet with the with, with, right. with the bowl in front of his right. And he himself. knew that the omelet was going to make him sick. Yeah, and they profess their love to each other, and basically he's like, "This is what I want. I want to be sick for you to be with you because this is the only." It's the only way, way I, that I can. I, he, he's the only way he can let he go can, of his control. Yeah, this is the only way that he can need and love someone in a way that that person wants to. So be loved. let me just go back to what you were saying about her doing the confession, right? Like yeah. she's talking to the that doctor yeah, that you mentioned. Yeah, and you find out that's who she's talking and to. Yeah. I think Reynolds is lying on her, lying on her lap. Yeah, and he's and she's. Whole, because and so he, he's there yeah. listening to her tell there's, the story. It's interesting because there's like a very slow zoom out that takes two hours to zoom out. Yeah. Because, and I think in that interview or in that confessional scene, 
I could be wrong. I'd have to watch it again. But I think initially you see just her face. Yes. And then you see a little bit of the couch. Yes. And then you see who she's talking to. Yes. And then you see that he's... <laughs> he's, he's there. Reynolds is there. He's, he's there the whole time as she's talking about it. And So she's relayed her their entire romance. The, while he's laying while there. While he's laying yeah. there. So, you know, clearly they're together. Yeah. And they're okay with this. And, then, and the doctors are just in case... He went a little too far, right? Right, because he because because there's also the scene that's um, in the middle of the movie where the first time she poisons him, but he doesn't know about it. Yes, he refuses for the doctor to even like be in that room. And yeah, because Cyril has called him right to, right. to look um, after him. And and so later on, you see the doctor is has free reign to inspect him and his mm, health, mm-hmm. and and that's to me the signal that. They're all in cahoots with this this yeah, situation so that, together. So that, that, oh God, so this is <laughs> <laughs> so that that's pretty much the plot of the movie, which is kind of interesting. There's no like, there's not a lot of action. It's more this psychological plot that happens throughout the movie, and you wonder after watching it, like, so, is this good? Yeah. It will, okay. So. <laughs> okay. So like, there are, there are clearly great parts of the movie, but is this plot okay, good? All right. So. Oh God! So I listened to some other podcasts, right? Okay. And there's a there's the Slate Culture um, sure. Gap yeah. Fest, and there's a just there's a spoiler um, warning as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a there's a well there's a spoiler spot podcast that Slate does too, and they spoil okay. this film. And the, they're you know, Dana Stevens is one of the critics, and um, she's with a, another critic there, and they're 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 going on about how this is a kink thing. Like this, sure. This is a this is a consensual kink. Yeah. Thing. How is this any different than you know BDSM or something? Yeah. Where, where someone is being kind of quote unquote humiliated or in a submissive position. Yeah. And and, and mean, it's oftentimes the person who normally is a, is in a position of power, power in yes. real life that, that likes to be submitted in the bedroom. Yeah. So so that that they chalk it up to that, or that's how they characterize it. And they don't really get into they at least I don't recall this I'm, I might might be misremembering but they don't get into the fact that the first time wasn't consensual right which I find very problematic yeah uh, I, I but but be, again because that led to the marriage right? right so but like but then he but ultimately he's okay with it because he knows what happens the first time now by the end of the movie oh no, sure and he, he's still okay no with he, it. he 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 is okay with it but so, it, there's something still kind of. Uh, jacked up about this i find um uh, and morally ethically uh but I, I i guess it's like yeah if the character is okay with it is that does that make everything okay i i'm not sure uh i i guess it, you know you don't expect a film about about this kinky thing i no. mean i certainly did not imagine this is where the film would end at all so you know yeah. Kudos to PTA for taking me on a journey that I didn't probably want to go on, <laughs> but like I found interesting and rewarding in some respects. You asked the question, yeah. "Is this good?" No, yeah. I don't know. That's honestly like, like, like my I felt like like we asked the same question after we watched Mother, which is another film about a, yeah. a woman trapped in a room. Oh, I enjoyed this way more than Mother. I I think I like Mother way more. Actually. Really? Yeah, okay. I like. But you know, but about a woman trapped in a house with with a creative controlling person, man. controlling yeah. creative person, yeah, similar dynamics and, and, in that and, way, and, and, and you know, all this shit ensues, right. and you know. 
very different kind of things. Yeah. But at the end, you're like, well, was this any good? And I, I left the theater just kind of like, in a, in a daze. In a daze. Really yeah. in a daze. And I, and Wait, I, with I, this movie or Mother? Both. Okay. Both. <laughs> both. But this film too, and I and I and I really had to take like a day or two to really think things through and think about what 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 did I watch? What 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 is yeah. this saying? And does it matter what I even think about it, like or what how I feel about it? I'm not. The answer sure. is no. But <laughs> no, none of what we say or do matter. No, that's good. But well, okay, I. What I really liked about this movie is, um, at first, I was, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie, I was like, I'm going to hate this. I'm mm-hmm. going to hate this. It's yeah. Again, like, it's it's all about this really obnoxious, privileged white dude just yeah. being an asshole the whole movie. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know yeah. if I can handle this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I liked the subversion of that towards the end. Um, I thought, you know, again, the music, and it was, it was a beautifully made movie. Um, and what I liked about it the most is just the relationship dynamic. I think anyone who's ever been in any kind of serious long-term relationship can relate to maybe not quite these dynamics, but <laughs> but but the, the difficulties of yes. being in a relationship. Yes. And that's what yes. this is about, right? That, yep. you know, are you there just to serve one person? What about the other person? Mm-hmm. You know, do they, you know... Just because one person has a certain type of career, do you support them more? You know, I mean, so there's, yes, or yes. or even in any relationship, oftentimes you're, one person is entering the other person's world mm-hmm. and it's not always the other way around. So how do you negotiate a relationship like that uh, when you have a family member there? I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. there to unpack. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, that, um, that stuff's all great. And so I really liked that. I just don't know if there was enough of a story that that made the movie well i guess what i'm saying is the movie was still i thought was still a good movie Mm -hmm. but it could have been better if there was um like there was still something lacking there maybe as like a cohesive story film something like that like it just there i don't want to say that it was like did it feel slight to you um, I don't think slight would be the right description, but yeah. it, it, it it did feel um, in in some ways slightly incomplete in some ways. Okay. Like it was there was a lot of good thought and it was a great concept or premise. And and again, I think the most enjoyable part of the movie is the setup when you learn about this world, when you get to know these characters, when you see these, you know, luxurious you know, dresses being made, like, that's all kind of in the setup, but then once they have to do something with it, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing that happens, but then, because that's it, you're like, well, I feel like there should have been more to more to this because there was a I, lot of setup I, I, yeah, yeah, without a yeah. ton of payoff. Do you know what I mean? I can, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I guess there's some part of me that, like, I went through some so many weird phases uh, thinking about this. Like at one point, I was like, I, "Was I just trolled by PTA?" You know, you know, almost, yeah. almost like, yeah. like, you, like you Ryan, went through a phase of denial, yeah, like, anger, yeah, <laughs> almost like Ryan Johnson. Did he troll me with Star Wars? Right, you right, know, like right, right. was you know, and you know, I don't, I don't think so. Ultimately, like I, I've, I've thought about. It. I'm like, no, I, you know, that I don't feel that like that. No, a frontier yeah, or whatever. I don't think so. You know, and I, I felt more more trolled by mother, to be honest. But. <laughs> Fair enough. I I think it, it 
it does it does subvert your expectation. And I guess this is where I've been struggling a lot lately with a lot of things that we've been watching. You mm-hmm. know, there's been a lot of stuff we've watched in the last six months, I will say, where where you where where filmmakers a lot of filmmakers are trying to subvert our expectations. I think yeah. it's happened a lot. I, yeah. don't, I, I don't. I mean, it's happened in Star Wars. so yeah, you know, that means it's yeah, it's it's come down to that. Right. And 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 you but know, in some ways it has to happen, right? Because no, otherwise it, we're watching the same thing over ex- and over. Exactly. Again. So I'm like I'm I'm getting to a point where it's like okay, you know, so, I mean, sometimes we want to have that. Comfortable feeling with a genre thing, but you're not gonna, you're never gonna get that from PTA. You know, no. I, you know, I should never have expected such a thing, and I, and I didn't That's necessarily true. want that from PTA. But, right. but what this you, film does is so weird that like yeah. I was really Cause, uncomfortable because you almost you know? think as you're first watching it, knowing that it's a PT Anderson movie, that the subversion of the movie because you're expecting subversion, mm-hmm. you're expecting that the, in my mind, oh. He, the subversion is coming through the Daniel Day-Lewis character because the character is so difficult. And yeah. He's just like, so I'm like, okay, this is what's making this movie a PTA movie. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, you know, <laughs> the, the consenting poison becomes <laughs> then the ultimate, you know, subversion. But again, to me, it didn't feel like it was enough to carry the second half of the movie. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what, I think that would have been an interesting part of their relationship, mm. but then I still wanted to know more, or I still needed more something for something to I, happen. I guess I, you know, you said it didn't feel slight to you. I guess some part of me does actually feel okay. it's a bit okay. slight, you know, okay. because of that. Okay. So this is what it amounts to. Like, yeah. Like it just yeah. didn't amount to enough. Yeah, that's, yeah. That was, I think that's a good way. Of putting yeah. It. Yeah. Like, so maybe I think it's slight that's too. That's what it is. I mean, you know, like, yeah, there's like a weird feeling of again this weird feeling of tr- being trolled for a little bit like mm-hmm. no but then like but then this yeah. is it like yeah. come on again i think know, i, I think because so much work and effort was put into setting up this story and it, so beautifully yeah. well done just amazingly set up like if that's know? if that's all the story had to really say well it's interesting I, again i just I wanted a little bit but, more, but you know, I will say this much: yeah. the film is one of his shorter films, I think. You know, yeah, and yeah. I and and yo, I kind of like think of like the master and these mm-hmm. other films where like you have these very like intense scenes and right. and there will be blood, obviously. Right. Um, you know, maybe he was trying to do something quite different in a different key or something. Yeah, you know? I, and, the, you know, I I agree though. The tone is different from some of his previous work. I mean, there's, I believe no violence in this movie which is pretty un pt anderson they're, like they're, they're english they can never do that yeah um, <laughs> normally you're seeing to some you're, you're used to seeing someone get their head bashed in or something like yeah, that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which happens i think in almost all of his movies <laughs> um i guess the last thing that i want to say is um so i saw this movie at a local theater called the music box mm-hmm. we've talked about oh, this yeah, here before yeah. Great and theater. they they projected this movie in 70 millimeters mm-hmm. so um i thought it was you know, I don't know what it looked like in digital. I imagine it was still very beautiful to look at. But um, with the way the movie was scored and the way the movie was filmed, maybe except for that teapot scene, mm. and being on 30 millimeter in this old historic theater, to me, it really felt like this movie could have been made like decades ago sure. in many ways. Just, just the overall feel of it. It was a very like old-timey old-fashioned type of film but the way it plays out right is not. <laughs> and and in that sense um i kind of loved and hated that at the same time because a yeah. part of me is just like you know it just it fe- there was certain parts of it that felt so stuffy and um backwards looking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um 
and, and and especially in a time when we're seeing so many people innovate and do different things on film you know but it did make me appreciate at the same time this this kind of old style of filmmaking that I, I think I, P.T. Anderson's really trying to channel here. As a, you know, the, the craft of the film is just impeccable. It's undeniable. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, just like the dresses that, that Reynolds and Woodcock make. I mean, again, the, the analogy is there. It's clearly there. Yeah. But but I, I I left the film, like, I don't know if yeah. I want to see this film again for a long time. Because it's like, it's kind of upsetting. <laughs> no, I don't think I need to watch it ever uh, again. Then again, but I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, me you too. Know? It's one of those things like, you. Yeah. I'm grateful to have seen yeah. it. Just like The Master, I was grateful. But I haven't seen that film since I first right. came out. It's I like, mean, <laughs> if, if anything, if it makes you maybe, you know, examine your own relationships. and those mm. I mean, I, yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. movie the movie does do that. It does... Um, you know, elicit those types of thoughts, and I, I think that's part of why why I watch movies and why I participate in yeah, yeah. consuming different forms of art and entertainment is because it makes you think about your own life and how it relates to that. And, for sure, and this movie does do that. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, does that does that conclude? Yeah, I, I, wow. I think so. We really beat this movie. Yeah. Um, well, it beat us. Or at least yeah. it felt, I feel beaten. Yeah, by we it. felt beaten. So I'm thinking uh, next week. Uh, we're going to have another episode, and we're going to talk about a new anthology series uh, from Amazon, and it's called Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, and mm. it's, um, I think, supposed to be Amazon's answer to Black Mirror, perhaps, so, yeah, yeah. so we're going to talk about that, uh, and so if you're watching that, or if you want to listen to us talk about it, tune in next week. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.